Welcome to Dear Graduate, the podcast where you start believing you don't have to choose between your work life and your life's work. I'm your host, Aisha Boydman. Dear Graduate is brought to you by Serve Here, a nonprofit mobilizing a generation of faith to be on mission where they'll work and live. The Serve Here program provides college students with internships, mentorship, community, and life-changing conversations. To learn more about the organization, visit servehere.org. Wherever you are today, we're here to tell you, dear graduate, everything is going to be okay. Hey, hey. I'm so excited to be chatting with you guys again today. And just want to start off with some honesty. I've been anticipating this topic and this story that I'm going to tell for a while now. And, you know, we're getting towards the end of the first season of Dear Graduate, which is so exciting. Um, But I knew that I was going to have to tell this story. And it is just one that, I mean, really impacted my entire life. But also, it's just one that feels very raw and open um to share and every time I tell it I like I'm still in disbelief and so I know had there not been so many other witnesses to what happened I would be doubting even as I tell it but there were and it happened and this is real and so I just I don't know I kind of wanted to start out with I'm excited to share and I'm um, eager to see just how God uses the story, but also, you know, I'm human and it's nerve wracking to share some of the most life-changing moments of your life. So whatever you're doing, I hope that this is a blessing to you, um, something that is interesting and entertaining and also convicting. But today we are talking about radical obedience. And when we talk about making big life decisions and how hard it can be to step out in faith with confidence, inevitably the word obedience comes up. Living out the life that God has purposed for us is made up of a million tiny steps of obedience. But what does obedience actually mean? Biblical obedience is hearing, trusting, surrendering and submitting to the word of God. Sometimes that seems, you know, more black and white when we read things like the Ten Commandments. I think that's where obedience becomes a little bit abstract for those of us trying to make decisions about careers or dating or friendships. We're flipping through the Bible looking for those like highlighted words like what to do with your job um, and, you know, coming up with nothing. And so at some point, there's this narrative that kind of sets in in our head that either God's got bigger things to worry about and this is unimportant to him, or, you know, I'll just make these decisions and, and figure out how to connect these things later. And uh, I'm going to make the, the most logical decision and I'm just going to hope that God kind of joins in. Goodness, if there's anything you take away from these words today, I pray it's a gentle, gentle and kind, come on, (laughs) y'all. God is way more creative than that. Um, Not only does he care, he's directing us. He's a shepherd, a father, a friend. So for me, 
stepping out in faith and obedience has been a series of stories where I knew that I knew that I knew what I was supposed to do. Maybe not um, an audible voice, but a head and a heart knowledge that this is the next step um, and it's not coming from my own desires. So I said a lot of yeses to scary and uncomfortable things that changed my life. And those are yeses that I'm very proud of. But the most impactful story of obedience I have is a time that I said no. Uh, Just flat out, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's the story that I'm sharing with you today. So it was the summer of my sophomore year of college, and I lived in a small village in Kenya called Riancho. Um, through a nonprofit called Go and Do Likewise. Every decision that led me there was a yes that scared me, but I was there anyway. uh, I made it there through a series of yeses. So for two months, I was completely, you know, removed from technology and distractions and uh, lived a life of simplicity and community teaching English and learning way more than I could ever teach anyone about God and just truly who he is on the other side of the world. Having internet access only once a month, I'm going to tell you, God and I became buds. There was a lot of listening and a lot of processing and a lot of talking when when you don't have scrolling and calling and texting and just becomes a lot easier to be still. So towards the end of the trip, we were invited on kind of like a Sunday afternoon adventure by our host. And in this kind of Land Rover type car, we all piled in and we're driving to this unknown destination. And we're driving through another village where people were coming out of church and onto the main road. It was a dirt road. Um, And I remember specifically looking down and hearing, feeling, knowing the words, pray with this man. And I remember that because I had to look up and I was like, what? What man? And kind of was already just like, "Uh, that was weird. (laughs) Um, So I look up and I see a man passing the car window. And he's carrying what looks like a black sack of something over his shoulder. I was just like, uh, no, (laughs) we're in a moving car. Like I'm not going to ask the driver who's our host, like stop the car full of people and get out and pray with this man, like not knowing why, or if that was even real that I heard that. And all of a sudden, as I'm making this excuse in my head, the car stops moving. And I hear the wheels spinning and our host is just, you know, gassing the car and trying to get it out of the mud. And um, Kenyan mud has some strength, I'll tell you (laughs) right now. Um, So we're in the car for a few minutes and, you know, all of this stuff has happened in my head. So I'm like sitting there knowing like my excuse was that I was in a moving car and I'm no longer in a moving car. We're actually stuck. I know what I'm supposed to do. I can still see the man when I kind of turn over my shoulder um, and he's still walking down the road with this bag. 
and I just, I just didn't do it. I just sat, I didn't do it. And I felt convicted to still, I felt guilty, maybe a little like bummed at myself, but on some level I figured, you know, that would pass. (laughs) And we ended up having to get out of the car because we were just way too stuck and people were trying to help push the car out. So just, you know, dozens of men are around the car trying to push this car out of the mud and we're kind of waiting in the wings, um, being surrounded by people who um, have never seen lighter skinned (laughs) folks. And, um, you know, there's some hospitality happening, which is sweet and some feet washing and just things that is hard to explain unless you're there. But we're watching all these men come in droves to like help push out the car. And they're, you know, trying to think of all these different ways to get the car out. And time passes, it gets later and later and hotter. And we're standing there and some people are sitting down and I hear what I can only describe as the scream of someone who's witnessing something tragic. And so I look up and I see a woman kind of like repeatedly falling onto her knees and her face as she kind of chases this guy. And I realize that this guy is the man who was passing the car earlier, except this time he's walking in the opposite direction than he was when we were in the car. And he still has this bag over his shoulder. And so I look over to a woman who I had been talking to and I said, what happened? They're like, what's going on? And she said, oh, well, his daughter's been sick and he was taking her to the hospital. Um, And it looks like his daughter didn't make it and he's taking her back. So the sack that was over his shoulder was his little girl and she passed away. So there's a lot going on around us. There's a lot of commotion. The car is still stuck. This woman is screaming. Internally, I'm processing and like trying to understand <laughs> essentially my disobedience. And I was, I, I don't know, I was grief stricken. I still I can feel that feeling now. It's not shame, it's loss and disappointment and regret. So I understandably just kind of start weeping <laughs> and um, we're, we're getting tired of standing on the side of the road. It's getting kind of just scary to like not know how you'll get back or where you were even headed. Um, there's a lot of strangers. And so I'm sitting there and that morning we had read an Oswald Chambers devotional titled Just Do It. And I remember because I remember thinking about Nike. (laughs) That's why I remember. But in that devotional, which I hadn't thought of before this moment, it was, you know, sometimes you're going to feel like you're supposed to do something and just do it. So I, I get that like feeling of conviction again. 
about something different. And I'm like about to shut it down again. And I'm look, you know, and then I'm like, no, I'm not going to miss out on something again. I just like had this moment between me and God. Nobody else knows what happened. So I looked up and I looked at, you know, the girls that I was there in community with, um, all of us American college students. And I was like, we're going to push this car out of the mud. And we kind of like held hands. We said a prayer. We walked up to the car. Everyone had kind of given up at that point because everyone just, you know, dirty, covered in mud, like tired, had tried to push out the car. And our host was kind of standing out of the car. And I was like, get back in the driver's seat. Like, we're going to push this out. And he kind of laughed. And which is understandable. It's not like he was being mean. Like, (laughs) this car was not going anywhere. But it's just a weird moment of obedience and faith. And we, there's, I think there was seven or eight of us all 19, 20 year old girls got to the back of the car and there's like prayer and like talking to themselves. There's uh, singing and just everybody's kind of like going into their own zone of communication with God. And it was like a giant finger just pushed the car (laughs) effortlessly forward and the car moved as if it had never been stuck. And we worshiped, like I, I, to this day, I have never seen or experienced worship like this. It was the truest, most raw, real, vulnerable, in the mud, like face, knees, like everything, just glorifying God for this tiny miracle (laughs) that doesn't make sense to anybody else except for this group of girls. It was so beautiful to be a part of that and to know that I still got invited to that moment, even though I thought I was disqualified because of my previous disobedience. This moment changed me forever because I learned that I prefer failed obedience to disobedience. No one in that situation missed out more than I did. I was invited into something. And I don't know any more information about what I was being invited into she, that little girl could have still passed away. That man could have said, I don't want you to pray with me. I'm on my way to the hospital. I could, you know, there's so many scenarios. It could have been a not exciting story. It could have been a really exciting story. I don't know, but I don't know because when I received that invitation, I declined it. And so because of that, it will forever be one of the greatest regrets of my life. And also that one regret has led to so many small, tiny, minuscule moments of obedience because I never want to feel that way again. It's just just not (laughs) worth it to me. And so this is me just saying, you guys, like, Yes, we're talking about career choices, and this applies to that. This applies to all the things that you think it doesn't apply to. Career choice, 
um, buying a house and the way that God meets you there, like the way that I've seen God meet people and myself in the details of our wedding, the way just at the grocery store on a walk, like with people outside of your window that you don't want to roll the window down for, like there are so many opportunities for obedience. This is me saying, just do it. What, honestly, what is the worst that could happen? That you're wrong? That you heard wrong? All right. Well, so what? Radical obedience is not always a move to the other side of the world. Sometimes it's a simple prayer, a word to share with someone. Sometimes it's quiet forgiveness that you have withheld, sending your resume into an unexpected organization, not out of some desire to like do the unexpected thing and like do the hardest thing. It is. It has nothing to do with that. It's about moving out of conviction. Listen, wait, hear, and act, and share what God does. Like Watch the stories that come out of these moments of obedience. And if the story is, oh my gosh, I thought I was supposed to do this. I did it. And it was so embarrassing. And you never think about it again. Well, whatever. Who cares? You didn't miss out. You tried. That's amazing. So what I want you guys to just be contemplating for, you know, the rest of this week after listening to this is just ask yourself what's something seemingly small that you could do today that you feel like you need to do and just do it and see what happens. Thanks, y'all. I really hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Our music is by our dear friend, Brian Phillips. As always, I'm signing off with this reminder. Dear graduate, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. Your gifts are on purpose and everything is going to be okay. Bye, y'all.